This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm going to cover The Fifth Risk by Michael Lewis. This is book 20 out of 52 for my 2019 reading list. This episode will consist of three segments. The first will be a brief introduction to the book about the author, why I read it, and my initial reactions. The second segment will consist of the first ever pop quiz. I'm going to ask a few questions about the U.S. government and see how much you know. I'm also going to cover a few key takeaways and also a few counterpoints in segment two. Segment three is the one thing, my one key takeaway from the book and the one thing I plan to implement in my life as a result of having read this book. So on to segment one, the author, Michael Lewis, he's published 18 books. You may be familiar with these, Moneyball, The Blind Side, and The Big Short. Those are three of his books and those have all been turned into movies and pretty good movies at that. He has a podcast called Against the Rules that he started in April of 2019, and I've listened to a few episodes of that, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. As for who suggested the book, I suggested it to myself, and here's where I usually talk about where I found out about the book and, and that sort of thing, or uh, who I originally heard about it from, but in this case, I've, I've read other Lewis books, and I enjoy them, and so if he has a new one coming out, chances are I'm gonna, going to be reading it. And that's actually how I read one of my books last year, so for my 2018 reading list, and that was The Undoing Project. And the cool thing about that was I had Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman on my list for last year, and it was uh, book number six, I believe. So it was towards the beginning of the year when I read when I read that. Little did I know that The Undoing Project was kind of the story behind how Kahneman got going with his partner in crime, Amos Tversky. So it's an awesome book of, of the story of, of their research and, and how they came up with a lot of what we read in Thinking Fast and Slow. Unfortunately, Tversky passed away early in his life, and so Thinking Fast and Slow is, is just by Kahneman, but it's really the result of their work together, and The Undoing Project tells that story in a, in a great way. So if, if you're planning to read Thinking Fast and Slow, or if you have read it, be sure to include The Undoing Project with that. It's a, it's a great companion. Uh, another book I read by Lewis is Flash Boys, and that tells the story of how even milliseconds of difference in getting information about stocks can give an advantage to, to someone to where they can they can create an algorithm that will conduct a trade before other people can. And so it, it's it's a scary book in the way that uh, you, you just get the sense that it, that the game's rigged. And as an investor, you, you don't want to hear that. But uh, but uh, important book in, in that sense. And, and as I said, kind of a scary one. Uh, another one I read of his was The Big Short. That was about the subprime mortgage and just had some uh, very interesting characters in that book because basically talks about some people that that understood what was going on in the market in that um, the mortgage industry and, and uh, market was about to collapse. And so they shorted it and they they made just a ton of money. 
The last book that I've read of his is uh, Home Game, An Accidental Guide to Fatherhood. And that's just kind of a fun, feel-good book about, uh, about becoming a father. He just kind of shares his recollections. And, and um, so, yeah, that's kind of different, different not on the um, finance side or, or that sort of thing, but, uh, but uh, a, a good book. I read, I read this one from June 2nd through 6th of 2019. So just uh, finished it a, about a week ago. So that took four days, um, 219 page book. So I, I read roughly 55 pages per day. It took me four hours, 19 minutes and 54 seconds to read it at uh, a minute 11 per page. And one of the reasons I track this and, and share it is so that you get an idea of how long the book might take you to read. I am not a fast reader. Um, people ask me if I know speed reading skills or things like that. And, and I always reply with, no, I don't try to do any of that kind of stuff. I just, I read it at the pace I can read it. And I, I consider myself to be a slow reader. And so just kind of take that into account as I share these numbers, because um, you probably get through the book uh, probably even faster than, than the time that I'm sharing here. As for the structure of the book, Michael Lewis starts off with a problem, and that's a problem called he calls lost in transition. And basically, there's a problem with the Trump administration in how they're transitioning power. They are supposed to be going in to the different government departments and appointing people to, to manage them and, and to run them. And they're either not doing that or they're taking their time, which is normally a, a process that kind of starts immediately in terms of giving a list of people, um, meeting with these departments, finding out what they do, and none of that's going on at all. And so Lewis gets concerned about this and starts interviewing different government employees and asking them specific questions. And so he's meeting with people who have either quit out of disgust that things are not moving forward with the Trump administration or people who are still working there, and, and he just kind of gets information and, and shares it without, without giving their names. But some of the questions he asks are, what do you do within your department? What does your department do? And what worries you the most? And so you actually end up getting a lot of insight and knowledge about the government and what the different agencies do. And so that's one of the things in the, in the pop quiz I have for segment, segment two is just to, to ask some questions of, of things I learned from this book uh, regarding departments and, and to see how much you know. But when he asked these questions, uh, he, got, he got different responses of, of what worries the people the most. And he asked the, the questions to John McWilliams, of the D Department of Energy, and he replied with a set of four risks and then a rather surprising fifth risk, and that's where we get the title of this book, The Fifth Risk. So the first four risks should sound pretty pretty normal. Nuclear weapons, accident, number two, North Korea, number three, Iran, and number four, something happening to the electric grid of the United States. The fifth risk, he says, is project management. And that's the risk a society runs when it falls into the habit of responding to long-term risks with short-term solutions, or that's how Lewis defines it. But project management, basically, these departments are not being managed. They're running a tremendous amount of things in the United States, things people have no idea that they do, 
and Trump is not appointing anyone to manage. But even stranger, I guess, is when Trump does appoint somebody, it's somebody like Rick Perry to run the Department of Energy. And I'm going to play a little clip of Rick Perry. You probably remember this. I think this is from 2013 presidential debate. It's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, um, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. EPA? EPA, there you go. No, okay. Let's stop, let's stop deposition. Seriously? Is EPA no. the one you were talking about? Or? No, sir. You no. can't name the third one? The third agency of government, yeah. I, would, I would do away with the education, uh, the uh, <laughs> commerce, I, I, commerce, and let's see. I can't. The third one, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. And uh, that was actually from the 2011 presidential debates. But the third department that he forgot that slipped his mind was the Department of Energy. That was the third one that he would just cavalierly get away with and do, do away with. He's now in charge of the Department of Energy. So in one sense, you've got the Trump administration coming in and at, at least at first, not appointing anyone to manage these departments. I mean, everyone has a manager now. So this, this is really towards the beginning of, of the administration, just kind of an apparent chaos. But then when he does appoint someone, it's someone like this. And, and they, uh, Lewis highlights other people in the book who kind of a similar, like, why would you appoint that person? And so f just think about that. The guy that wanted to do away with, with the department, but didn't even, couldn't even remember the name of the department. You're talking thousands of employees and just couldn't even remember the name of it. And now he, that's the one he runs. So just crazy. That's kind of the structure of the book. And, and, and so we learn a lot as you read uh, within that, that structure. As for an in initial reaction, I was quite ashamed of myself actually for, for not knowing more about the government. And I, I learned a ton in this book about it, but it's like, I, I really should have known that. Like, this is, this is really embarrassing. So uh, it's a good book in that sense to, uh, to kind of kick your butt into gear. Another reaction is, uh, this is not good. The people who are lifetime employees of these these departments, uh, according to Lewis, they're not even being consulted about what they do, what they know, what they've been working on. Maybe that's changed in the last year and a half or so, but at least at the beginning, they're not even being consulted. And that can't be a good thing. Even if you plan to fire these people, like you, you wouldn't you want to know what's going on at least? And then another initial reaction is, uh, Trump, Trump basically has an assumption that the government is ineffectual. But what you keep seeing over and over in this book is that, historically speaking, the government's running quite well, and it's run by people who love what they're doing. So what's strange is that Trump's actions may actually create the ineffectual government he's talking about. So just one, one other reaction and something I, I thought about a lot in this book. As for who should read the book, I'd, I'd say if, you, uh, if, if you're wanting to learn more about the government and 
especially the first days of the, the Trump administration, this would be a good book for you. I like sharing about different tools that can help you read better. And one that uh, I came across last week is called Oxidy. And it's basically the home for your book notes. You can auto import all of the main information from any book. So you just kind of scan the, the ISBN number and it'll pull all the, the main data. But from there, you can store quotes, you can write notes about the book, and you can tag the, the notes so that you can then cross-reference them. So as you load more and more of your books in, as you're reading books and kind of taking notes, this is just a great place to keep all those notes together. And, and that cross-reference tool would be, would be really cool because you come across ideas, and that's one thing I've always been interested in in this project is seeing how ideas are across a variety of different books, how some themes start to stick out. And so this, this program can actually help you do that. There's a basic plan that starts for free and then a pro plan that's just $4 a month. And I have not used it. I, I basically, my note system is this podcast and the reviews I do on the website. But Nino Rosella, the, the creator of this program, did reach out to me and uh, let me know about the program. So I'm not being paid for this or anything, but I just like to share different tools that are out there. And maybe this is something that would help you to read better and, and to share, to, to, to compile all your notes from, from the books that you read. So back to the book. I want to do a little pop quiz, have a little fun here. Here's four questions about the U.S. government, and let's see how many you get right. And just for reference, I uh, scored zero out of four. So 0% F, fail. I did not know any of this, but uh, here's some four, four questions for you. First one, how many departments are there in the U.S. government? 15. Number two, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration the NOAA is within which department? The Department of Commerce. What department oversees and guards the nuclear arsenal? Do you know that one? The Department of Energy. And what department has little to do with commerce and is forbidden by law from engaging in business? Well, the Department of Commerce, of course. So hopefully you got more of those right than I did. Uh, but speaking of the Department of Commerce, that goes into my first key takeaway from the book and just kind of a, a learning thing in this sense. Lewis calls the Department of Commerce the Department of Information or the Department of Data. And they basically just collected this trove of information about a variety of things. And we're not getting into like the scary information where they're pulling personal data and NSA stuff. We're just talking like farming information maybe information from dro drones about how, how fields look and, and farms look, um, just a, a police information, uh, police pull pullovers and, and that sort of thing. And this information is basically sitting there available for use and, and available to dive in deeper. Uh, maybe run it through some algorithm, algorithms and see if, if uh, some, some new ideas come out. And so I wanted to share one, one thing that happened as, as they dug into some of this information. And this is about police, police information. So, so here it goes. This is page 178 in the book. The policing data was local and difficult to get a hold of. 
and that was DJ's point. He wanted to show what might be possible if the government collected the information. We asked the question, what causes excessive use of police force? Combining the data from 10 cities, a team of researchers from several American universities found a pattern that would have been hard to spot with the naked eye. Police officers who had just come from an emotionally fraught situation, like a suicide or, or a domestic abuse call in which the child, a child was involved, were more likely to use excessive force. Maybe the problem wasn't as simple as a bad cop. Maybe it was the emotional state which the cop had found himself. Dispatch sent them right back out without time to decompress. Give them a break in between and maybe they behave differently. So just kind of interesting information like that that could be grasped if, if more of this information was, was dug into. And one thing that Lewis mentions is, is that Trump, the Trump administration has, has limited access to some of these databases. They used to be on, on government websites where, where anyone could go in and, and kind of mine the information. I haven't done research after this book to, to understand more of why access was limited. Uh, but just seems like uh, there could be a lot to be learned, especially in this age of AI, especially after reading AI superpowers. Kind of di- digging deeper into some of this data might be might be something that could be could be beneficial. Key point number two, um, this this just stuck out to me. I thought I thought it was really interesting. But one of the guys that Lewis talked about about the government made this comment. Max knew an astonishing number of people, and this is people who had success stories of of working in the United States government. And back to the quote, he detected a pattern. A surprising number of the people responsible for them were first-generation Americans who had come from places without well-functioning governments. I just thought that was interesting that uh, I I think we we take for granted a lot of what comes out of our government and the 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 way that it functions and, and historically pretty well, we we just take a lot of that for granted. For but for people who come from other countries, they and the, their children are are ones who who oftentimes work in the government and and see the importance of it uh, because they came from a failed state or they came from a, a state where it maybe took. 120 days to start a business, whereas it you can, you can start one in a day here. I did have a few criticisms of the book. I, I think back to Reagan's line of uh, run the other way if, if someone comes up to you and, and says, hey, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. It's kind of a funny line, but um, the, the book, you, you kind of get the sense that everything the government is doing is is good and, and it's helpful and it's if we don't let them continue in what they're doing, then there's going to be these horrible things coming down the the pipeline. But what's not addressed is that we're $22 trillion in debt. Like we can't afford the things that we're doing right now. And if we continue on that path, uh, what's going to happen? And so we could debate all day of, well, if, if we don't have this program, then this could potentially happen. But we're $22 trillion in debt. Not addressed in the book. Uh, another thing is is kind of the bigger conversation that's taking place right now in terms of of data and access to data. The, the where I was talking about the Department of Commerce having these troves of of databases, 
and how it would be nice to to run some have that go through some algorithms to try to to mine some some information that might be good that uh, could help people. That that's all good and well, but but where's the line? Like where's the line on the personal side? And that's the conversation that's going on right now, especially with like Facebook and the different social platforms. How much access should they have to the information? How much access should they be able to share? How much access should the government have uh, of information about you? And so uh, Lewis presents a lot of the those databases as, as kind of being impersonal data and, and not, not for individuals and not uh, going past privacy concerns. But that's, that's actually more of what's going on. And, and I think the, the debate in, in where there's an issue and, and perhaps why Trump is limiting some of this, the access to some of this data is for that conversation to go on. Like I said, that I could be way off on that, but just a few criticisms I had from the book. And speaking of criticisms, it ties into my one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. And that's that I need to stop criticizing the government if I don't actually know what it does. There's a quote from Kathy Sullivan in this book, and and it goes like this. I'm routinely appalled by how profoundly ignorant even highly educated people are when it comes to the structure and function of our government. The sense of identity as citizen has been replaced by consumer. The idea that government should serve the citizens like a waiter or concierge rather than in a collective good sense. And I'm, I was busted by that. I, highly educated people, I, in, in the sense of having gone to undergrad and grad, I'm highly educated. I don't consider myself very bright, but in terms of having gone to a, and done a lot of education, I've, I've done that. And I knew like 1% of what was presented in this book about the government. And that's really appalling. And so that's my, my one key takeaway from this book is I, I can't go around criticizing something that I don't even know the basics about. And I need to start learning about our government. And wherever you're listening from on, on this episode, maybe it's kind of a call for you to start le- learning about your government, how it's run, what the departments are. All right, there's 15 government departments. I should learn what those are and then just start digging deeper. What's in each of those departments? What do they do? What's their role? What's their budget? Just learning about that and, and, and being a more informed citizen, yes, and, but just to actually know what's going on and, and how things are, are run. Uh, the the way it's presented in this book is that even a lot of people that work in government have no idea. They might they might know uh, what their particular department does, but even outside of that, there there's there's just kind of a general lack of information. And one of the reasons is because of its complexity. Uh, there's one guy highlighted at the beginning of the book where he kind of just spends his whole life <laughs> researching it, and he loves it, and he wants to learn about the government, and he thinks it's fascinating, but. And then another guy who who goes into a part department and it takes him a whole year to just kind of understand even what's going on and the lingo and all that. But I, I've got to start somewhere. And so this book has made me want to learn more about the government and what the different agencies do. I 
kind of like Rick Perry naively thought that some of these agencies could be done away with. And maybe they can, but I don't know enough about them to make a statement like that. And I, I, I want to learn more about them. I want to have informed opinions and not just spout off things like uh, like what Rick Perry said there. And, and Rick Perry has, has regretted that statement and, and talked about it uh, at length. But um, yeah, if, if you're looking for a, a book, if, if you really have no idea how the government is organized and who does what, this would be a good book for you to get to, to start down that path of, of learning. That's going to do it for this episode. Before I sign off, just a reminder, you can share your reading list on the Books of Titans website. You just go to booksoftitans.com forward slash mybooks. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of our past episodes through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice, and also on YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to give it an effusive five-star rating on iTunes and share it with your friends. We'll be back next week with another book. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.